0: Good afternoon, everybody. This is Stacy with LSDS, and I'm back today, and I'm excited to have a first-time guest for the Dynamic Leadership Podcast Series. This is Bill Haynes. Welcome, Bill.
1: Well, thanks, Stacy. I really appreciate your time and having me on board.
0: Absolutely. If you don't mind, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, and how you ended up here
1: with me. Sure. So I've got 30 years of service in Special Operations in the Army. Started out as a young ranger, became a Special Forces Green Beret. And I just finished up, really, 30 years of service, finishing out as a Brigade Command Sergeant Major. And so my background in the military had to deal with a lot of soldier issues and people problems. and, And I found my love for resolving conflict and transforming conflict. And so my friendship with Terry led me to a internship with LSDS, and I'm super grateful for the opportunity and the wisdom and, and the knowledge that Terry shared with me, and so yeah, so here we are.
0: That's very cool, and I am excited to get into this topic with you. So it is conflict resolution, and I'm going to warn everybody right now listening that we plan on having this be at least a two-part series, though, in the brainstorm leading up to this, we kind of thought of a third one there, too. So we are going to start today, though. With conflict transformation, but we're going to get into this and discuss kind of the basics of this today. And I want to start off with a question, conflict, is this normal,
1: quote unquote? Stacey, what a great start point. Is it normal? Fair question. And absolutely. You know, we're humans and we're going to see things differently. We have different experiences. We have different phases in our lives. And so as we mature, as we develop, if we have more experiences, we're able to navigate conflict better. But we always have conflict and it's supernatural and super normal. And I like to see conflict not as a problem, but as an opportunity.
0: I really like that a lot. So what is the breakdown of Conflict. I've heard your approach. I know I'm cheating here a little bit, everyone, but I've heard your approach to this and I like how you break it down and it's almost like a sciencey background to this.
1: Yeah. So we're going to start off with a couple of things, right? So the first thing is the brain's anatomy, right? It's super important for people to be able to understand. Like if you're listening to somebody, if you have a colleague, a coworker, a boss, an employee that is in conflict with an idea, with you personally with a policy to understand where they're at in their brain so you can help shift their gears if you're able to do so, right? So with the brain anatomy, so we're going to first start off with really the three parts of the brain, and that's the, the brain stem, which is that fight or flight portion of the brain. And it's about a three-inch long piece of tissue, if you will, and it controls the autonomic nervous system. So that fight or flight or that feed or sleep. And it really connects the spinal cord to the brain. And when we use the brain stem, usually we see things very black and white. We're usually very impulsive. We're quick to judge. And that's when you typically see like the overly angry person or highly emotional person. Mm-hmm. There's the, the limbic system, which is that middle part of the brain. And that middle part of the brain is basically made of 15 subcomponents. But I don't want to get, you know, too in the weeds on some things here. And I'm not a doctor either. But my understanding of things, you know, it controls hormone response. It's the main center of emotions. And that limbic system links emotions to long-term memory. And so we can see how powerful that limbic system is because emotions and memory when something causes us to reflect back on something in our memory or something that's highly emotional to us, it can bring up a lot of additional emotion in how we're handling current problems.
0: Yeah, okay, yeah.
1: Yeah. And then finally, we've got the cerebrum, which is that largest portion of the brain. And when we think about the cerebrum, that's usually that outer portion on the top and the sides and the front of the brain. That is the largest portion of the brain, and it controls important things like muscle function, thought, reading, learning, speech, and writing. It connects and enables things like your senses, vision, hearing, and touch. And really what is most important here for conflict resolution is the cerebrum is used for introspection, reflection, and, and strategy, right? And then ultimately, and we'll talk a little bit more about this, you know, understanding the the highest ultimate good or what Curtis Price, a good buddy of mine, kind of coined is the thug, the highest ultimate good. We will derive the thug by using that cerebrum and all those things that the cerebrum allows us to do. And then not necessarily a a part of the anatomy of the brain, but what's important to understand also is that there's a thing called a reticular Activating system. And that reticular activating system, I call it RAS for short, R A S, RAS. That's the brain's postmaster function. It takes a stimuli and it decides what part of the brain is going to need to be used for the problem set that it encounters, right? So it perceives a threat to life. It's going to push that right down to the brainstem, and the brainstem is going to take quick action. If you take a stimuli and it's complex in thought and you're having to build a strategy, it's going to take that stimuli and it's going to push it to the cerebrum. So it's super important to understand that that anatomy. And the thing is, I think that we're getting back to your first question, which was, is this normal? Is conflict normal? And I said, yes, it is normal. And it's super important for leaders to model the correct behavior in handling conflict, right, and how we shape that. We'll get into that a little bit later on, but that's super important. And I also think that conflict is needed for growth. We're not going to learn and grow and develop if we don't embrace conflict, package conflict in a way that's useful, and help other people along the road to finding that, that thug life, that highest ultimate good in, in things that we do. So I hope that answers your question.
0: Yeah, that's a lot of really good information there and taking all of that. So how my next question here is, how is this relevant to us in daily life?
1: So that's a really good a good subject to talk about, because what we find is if we just take, take a minute to think about where do we experience conflict? It's not just at work, but surely we do with our coworkers, our bosses, the priorities of the organization decisions people make. But we also find conflict at home with our children, our spouses, our neighbors, something as simple as driving into work. Someone cuts you off. There's a conflict there. Typically, you get the the rush of the different emotions that somebody created a dangerous maneuver that can harm people or, hey, this person just cut me off and I don't like that. So it's there. You see conflict in And I challenge anybody to stand in a long line at the registers and then see somebody cut in front of them and (laughs) and not feel the conflict run through your blood, right? (laughs) But it's super important to reframe the conflict. There's some tools there that we'll talk about here shortly as we get into the information part of this. But it's super important to reframe things and think about things in a different way other than this person just cut me off. This person just cut the line.
0: I like that. I mean, that's very true. There's so much daily stuff where you can run into this and just the little things day to day. that You almost don't think of and don't prepare for more importantly. So th- this next part, I want to get into more of the information piece about this. And I will have a note here too, that we are going to attach some slides with like visuals of stuff like the thug that we are talking about, the, uh, highest ultimate good, I love that so we will be attaching some additional stuff to this podcast for visual aid if you will for folks as well but getting it let's dive into that information piece of this I'm looking forward to this part
1: sure so Stacy for right now for our listeners, I want them to imagine a mountain and the mountains at the base really wide it's got a lot of trees, a lot of vegetation, it's got some draws and it's got some gnarly terrain. And as it goes up, the tree line stops. And anybody who's ever been in the mountains knows that once you get past the tree line, the air gets a little thinner, might get a little cooler, but it's definitely easier to walk around up there when you can see and pick your path and you can take the easiest path to the top of the mountain. So that's the frame for this part of the discussion is, is a mountain. And so at the base of the mountain now I want to superimpose on on one side of this mountain on the left side you got what you value on the other side you got what the other person values and you're in conflict because what you value and what the other person value may not be the same. And so what each of you have to do is to identify what the highest ultimate good is. So in a company typically the highest ultimate good is what is good for the company? What's going to create profit? What's going to generate revenue? What's going to create a superior product? Thereby, that becomes your highest ultimate good. And as you move up that mountain, the mountain gets more narrow and more narrow. And so as you start to climb that mountain, you're moving together and you become closer in proximity and you start working together towards that highest ultimate good. Now, and kind of conflict of that is where you value something, another person values another thing, but they're not willing to work with you. And in the case where they're not willing to work with you, there may come the time when you have to actually value what they value, find common ground, start moving up that mountain together based off of what they value. And maybe in the process, they learn and, and and create this environment for themselves where they actually embrace what you value as well. So in that mountain concept, what I value, what you value, the highest ultimate good, how you get there. Sometimes you want to move up the mountain together, but maybe on some different paths. Sometimes you have to move with them strictly on what they value, but ultimately you're trying to get to that higher point. The next thing I want to talk about is this thing that Curtis Price also kind of coined, which is EGOT. Now, EGOT, for the people in Hollywood, they're tracking Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. And that EGOT is people who have earned each of those, those four things. And in Hollywood, there's only been one person who's actually won those two, those four things twice, and that's Robert Lopez. And what we've done is we've taken that EGOT and we've used it as an acronym and the acronym is expectation gap openness and transparency so expectation so this is when you're handling failed expectations so as a as a manager as a boss you put out what you think is your expectations you thought you were clear and somehow what's happened now is you feel like there's a mess so the expectation when you talk to the individual You want to start with something like, hey, it was my understanding you were going to do this thing, or I thought we had agreed that we were going to do it like this, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the expectation. Go into it with a curious mindset. Then you establish what you think the gap is. You made a decision without engaging me or engaging the other person that you should have. You still haven't talked to me about this. Or you still haven't talked to this other person that we that you said you were going to engage. So that's the gap. And then to establish an openness, right? So that's the O, openness. So then you say, hey, help me understand the issue. It gives them a chance to explain why they made a decision that they did or taking the path that they're taking in solving this problem that they've been given or trying to achieve a certain goal. You can also say things like, I'd like to hear why you feel this way if you're dealing with somebody who's emotional or you feel like there's some kind of like emotional distress. And then there's another one here. What is going on that is causing you to be this way? Or what is going on that is causing this kind of an outcome? And then lastly, transparency. When you didn't do what we agreed, my first thoughts were, And you're being transparent with them. Like, hey, I felt angry. I felt upset. I felt like you didn't live up to the expectation that we established. Here's some other ones. When you don't check with me first, I feel, and you feel in the blank, right? I feel angry. I feel undervalued. I feel like you're usurping my authority. And the last one here is help me with the story I'm telling myself. And so that gives them a chance again to kind of work through and they feel like you value what they're telling you through that process. You may find some super valuable nuggets that you weren't aware of. And then you may say to yourself, wow, that was very informative. Man, now that I know that that changes my entire outlook to all of this. I so, have found
0: that. I think that's so helpful. Sorry, I'm jumping in here. But the, the context is what you're finding here and giving it the space to See more of the picture, I think, and yeah. I think that is so critical. Really like this breakdown of it
1: here. Yeah. So the E got something that I use quite often, and I know that as we talk about this there at the office before I transitioned out of the military, it really started catching like wildfire, and people using this acronym to kind of help them through understanding somebody else's standpoint on, on a tough situation. The other thing is is retraining the brain, right? So in all of this. A lot of people go through life without having a lot of mental discipline. We think what we think. We want to say what we think. We want to share what we think. Mm-hmm. And then social media is only compounding all of this. It's instant feedback through the phone, through the internet. And you want to blurt out like you're seeing the information being delivered to you. But here's what I would tell you we should retrain our brains and to think differently. So, for instance, Practice a pause when you feel like you're in, in, in a conflict or you feel like a conflict's coming. Be curious before you're furious. A great analogy that helps me out tremendously. And when I start to feel myself, my blood boiling and I start feeling all those cascading of, of feelings, I think to myself, no, stop. Be curious first. Ask good questions. And that gets back to the ego. Another important thing is to do right and not be right. There's mm-hmm. a lot of examples in life where somebody was right in their position, but it wasn't doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Don't guess at people's motives. Imagine good motives. Why would they do that thing? There must be a good reason. And what could those good reasons be? I.e., why would somebody cut me off and create a dangerous dangerous situation on the interstate? Well, maybe they're in a hurry. Maybe there's a medical emergency maybe they're late for a very important meeting and if i just knew that it would make this all better and if you just imagine that that will help reduce the the stress right there at that moment on the on the interstate and don't catastrophize so a lot of times we tend to think the worst we don't think about things in in a positive light and then ultimately we need to understand that and respect the idea that exhaustion fatigue hunger pain all interfere with the way we perceive our environment and how well we are going to adapt to stress. I hope that all makes sense, Daisy.
0: That no, I really like that wrap-up on retraining and reformatting a situation. <laughs> those are very helpful notes there because I think it's very true. And most of us, I know I can re- relate to several of those. So yeah, sure. That was really, really helpful. So with all of this in conflict, and you will touch on this a little bit at the very beginning, that conflict is often seen as a negative automatically. And so there are certain people want to avoid it like crazy, but I liked when you, you said to repackage conflict. How do we kind of do that? Take it that negative away from it that it's automatically this is going to be bad. How is it going to be good?
1: Yeah. So in my experience and in dealing with people that are in conflict a lot and being a part of mediation of some complex conflicts. Thing is, our brain is going to take the stimuli. Our reticular activation system, that RAS, is going to distribute that either to the cerebrum, where we will think through the thug, the highest ultimate good, Mm -hmm. or it's going to send it down into the limbic system. One of the things that I've found is that people who are in the military that have have dealt with a lot of high stress, life challenging type environments and scenarios, or our first responders, we tend to think through things quite quickly with the brainstem because we're always in that fight or flight. Mm -hmm. So what we have to think through is I'm in the brainstem. I'm going to use EGOT. I'm going to use some of these other tools like taking a pause and I'm going to, I'm going to package this up in a way that it's not me against you. It's about us working together to solve a mutual problem. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, if you are a leader or if you're trying to be a very productive person, you have to demonstrate that you value the other person's opinion about the matter. You may not agree. You may never agree, but you have to value their them as an individual and also their position. Otherwise, they'll never value yours either. And then ultimately, you have to be empathetic. Leader empathy is super important to to put yourself in that other person's position. They may be younger. They may have less experience. They may have less knowledge. But it doesn't make it right just because you know what the right answer is. You have to help people along. And that opportunity builds trust. It builds camaraderie. It builds that team cohesion that you need. And then lastly, employee empathy. I think all too many times we, we overlook the idea or the thought that our bosses are under tremendous strain managing payroll, managing employment, managing company strategy, engagement with other companies to do business. There's a lot going on there. And so they too are a lot underneath a lot of stress. And they may not handle conflict as well as everybody else around them. And and they need to help get, get through it as well. And so employee empathy is super important in trying to understand that leaders go through a lot of stress as well.
0: I think that's really key. But, that, yeah, that's absolutely so true that it needs to go both ways as well. So that perspective is super helpful. All of this, Bill, has been a very, very helpful breakdown really of conflict and how we handle it and how we can train it, repackage it. I really love that concept. Something else you said, too, is mental discipline. I really like that concept, too. It's something we can practice and get better at (laughs) because you're right in this day and age with social media and all these other things that are so reactive and kind of training that reactive, being conscious of that, aware of it and practicing mental discipline, too so much of what you talked about here. I think that's that's really huge. So thank you so much for taking the time to do this. This has been really helpful. And we do want to have at least one more part of this, possibly a third, if I can get you to come back and talk more about this. I think I can. And then we'll have some resources too. I don't know if you wanted to talk about those real quick that we will have some slides, like I mentioned before, but then there were some books that you had mentioned too, that we can link recommended reading, if you will, to this.
1: Yes, so Stacy, I got to tell you, one of the books—it's a little bit of a harder read because there's a lot of medical stuff in there—but *Healing the Angry Brain* by Ronald Porter Ephron. That book is tremendous in understanding how the brain creates neuropathways. pathways, and if you build neural pathways using the brainstem to solve a lot of problems, because maybe that's in your job field—again, military, first responders—that those neural pathways start to create that highway in in handling information and handling complex problems, but through the brainstem is not what we want. So those other strategies, EGOT, taking a breath, curious before furious, those all reroute the information through the neural pathways. And that book does a great job explaining that. Another great book, The Culture Code by Daniel Cole. Great, great book and and culture within an organization. And they kind of hit on, building trust, and getting through conflict. And then just a couple of good articles, Success Addicts Choose Being Special Over Being Happy, and then mm-hmm. How to Navigate Conflict at Work, and Empathy and Listening Skills. All great articles. You can find them on Google, on a Google search. Pretty powerful stuff.
0: Fantastic. I Thank you for all these recommendations. I'm a nerd, so I'm adding this all to my reading list. And thank you again, Bill, for taking the time to do this and explain this. We will be back. I think part two for us is going to be digging into, we discussed red flags leading up to full-blown conflict. So how do we identify those before it becomes like a potentially messy situation, correct? So we will be back for more of that in the coming weeks here. Thank you all for listening. And we'll be back more, as we said. In the meantime, you can always reach us via email. We are also, there's a contact form on the lsds.us website, and we're always here, always listening. If you got recommendations, anything you want to hear about, please feel free to reach out to us there as well. Again, thank you so much, Bill. We'll be back again soon.
1: Thanks, Stacey. I really appreciate you having me, and, and I look forward to, to reading comments and and any suggestions anybody has out there or any kind of testimonials on what's working for them or if any of this information was any use to them. So thank you again.
0: Awesome. Thank you.